I'm going to talk about advance of the kingdom and how God does stuff really the way he he looks at things um, and and he the way he sort of uh, likes to partner with this and I was looking at you know if you look at the beginning of the Bible most people have read Genesis haven't we because you, there's at least once in your life you thought oh, I'll read through the Bible and so we almost get through Genesis and but there were two verses at the beginning that I found interesting and and it's about us really. It says in Genesis 1, verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. That's interesting, isn't it? Because who's he talking about? Us. Who's God? Us. And I think that one of the interesting things is that God always acts in partnership. He always works in a committed relationship with others. And that's one of the proofs of the Trinity, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. They work together. They do things together. And... Um, Throughout all the time, the fact before God created time, if you follow that concept, before God created time, He worked together with the with the Son and with the Holy Spirit. And in fact, Jesus says in, in John uh, later on, He says, um, that "The Son, I I can do nothing without the Father. You know, unless the Father does it, the Son only does what He sees the Father doing. And so the, there's that unity of working together. And and almost before you get very far, by chapter two. God's created all the world. He's created man. Now, perfect. I mean, Garden of Eden, perfect. No, no sin, no sickness, no difficulties. And then he says in, in chapter 2, um, verse 18, and the Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. In other words, at the beginning of the Bible, he says, let's make man in our image. And then he thought, there's only one of them. That's not sometimes that's used as a scripture for, for marriage, and I'm sure it's got that picture. But I think it's also a bit deeper than that because it says it's not good for a person to be on their own, you know. That's not nobody's designed to live on their own. Um, if we're made in the image of God, and if God is in relationship with the, with the, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then we were created to be in relationship with other people too. And um and that's a big lesson for us to learn. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about how almost God says, uh, don't just do as I say, but do as I do. Um, I'm in a relationship, and I work in a relationship. And the first relationship God almost wants with us is he wants to partner with us. Now, there's a lovely, I love the story of, of the race of Lazarus. I don't know if you ever read it. This in John chapter 11. And uh, it actually talks about how Here's a couple of strange things that happened in the story. Just um, Jesus is away somewhere, and, and and Lazarus is one of his best friends, and and Mary and Martha, his sisters, uh, it's a house where Jesus went a lot for 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 cake. And I, I know a house in Norwich that I like to visit for cake, but we're not going there, glory at the moment. But but it's as I it's that sort of Jesus had a place that he went to where Mary, Mary and Martha, and I think there must have been good cooks. Uh, I think. Jesus went there because they were good, and, and he, he liked them, he loved them. And now she says that uh, a certain man, Lazarus, um, John Lennon, this is, uh, was sick. And um, and they sent word, Jesus, Lazarus, your friend, your, your best mate, really. He's he's really sick. And and I just think it's amazing that, that but, but Jesus heard, he said, uh, yeah, well, when Jesus heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was, I think. And that does it. Sometimes the bits of the Bible don't make sense to me. Is that so? I've just heard my real friend is sick, so I'll just stay here a couple of days. Then I, I've had times when I've had phone calls when people are precious to me. Maybe 
just members of the church, friends, family. I don't want to think, oh, they're sick. Well, I'll stay a couple of days, then I'll go see them. I'm, I'm usually jumping in my car in the good old days, but they're allowed to do that. And one day soon, hopefully we will be. But I, I, I'm, I'm there. I'm, 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 I, I go there. But Jesus, has, I guess he has something else to teach them, something else to bring to them. And he waits, and then they hear he's dead. And uh, when he gets there, he's met by the sisters who... Uh, Sort of saying, Martha says, Jesus, if you'd been here, if you had been here, he would not have died. Definitely. We know he wouldn't. So we, we, we have real faith in you, Jesus. If you had been here, he wouldn't have died. And, and then she said, you'll rise again. And then Mary and Martha both say, yeah, well, you're right. You're right. If He, he will rise again. He, he, he will. He will. So it's almost like they've got faith for the past that something could have happened but didn't. And the faith for the future something might happen but hasn't happened yet but jesus came to say i am the resurrection and the life i want you to have faith for today and 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 that's the people god wants us to be people who have faith for today and this is i've come to raise them from the dead and they they weren't quite there yet and i guess that's what hanging out with jesus is meant to do it's it's meant to take us from the uh the rewriting of the past, the dreaming of the future into the reality of the present. Because it's almost in our lives, fear and faith dwell together very close to one another. And we're living in very uncertain times. And, and, and a lot of people almost fear is the big thing that's, uh, we're worried about this, we're worried about that. And you know, there's a little bit of faith. And so almost like the vaccine's coming and somebody says, oh, it might be bad for you. It's every, everything that's good's always got somebody to detract from it, hasn't it? And there's an interesting thing, here's a throwaway comment for you. Here's an interesting thing, that both faith and fear believe something that hasn't happened yet. Faith believes what hasn't happened yet. Fear says this is what's going to happen, but it's not happened yet. And we have to choose which one we're going to believe. Do we choose the, the one that God says, that faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God? Or do we believe fear? Because neither of them are based in fact yet but one will happen one will be true and 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 we have to believe which which father will you listen to like jesus talked about two fathers and and the bible has two fathers divine sort of supernatural fathers if you like there's the, the father of lies jesus called the devil the father of lies and then he called his father our father who art in heaven so which father are we going to believe and the one that tells lies and brings fear or the ones that tells the truth that sets us free, that even if there's a problem, that there's a way through it. Anyway, the thing I want to talk about in, in, in Lazarus is, is, is that God wants us to partner with him. Now, when you've got a dead body and somebody's been buried for three days, you can't see how you're going to help much. So what are you going to do? So when Jesus gets there, uh, and um, some, some would say, well, all you need is the Holy Spirit, all you need, but actually, I guess Jesus could have done all this himself. He didn't need any help, but God wants to partner with us. He wants us to learn to partner with him and then to partner with one another and then to reach out in partnership to the world. And that's where I'm going today. And so the first thing he says, I want you to partner with me. And, and, and what he almost says is that we have to do what we can do and then he will do what only he can do. So we have to do what we can, we can do and, and then he will do what only he can do. And for example, when he's raised from the dead, man does his part. He comes and he comes out of the grave and they stand there and, you know, he, he, Jesus weeps. He's very emotional. 
And, and then he says, roll away the stone. Now, the best huge big stone. It wouldn't be a little bit stone. It's huge big stone. Some that covers the entrance. So it's, it's a huge big heavy thing, and probably take two or three people to move it. Now, when, when Jesus was raised from the dead, the ladies came to the grave. An angel had already moved the stone away, which is very handy, really, if you think about it. But actually, this time, Jesus could have called an angel, and, and that would have been quite effective really if you want to get the attention the people around about just get an angel appear move the stone away you've got an audience but he didn't do that it's almost i don't know what he said like you three lads over there or maybe some ladies as well i'm sure it's an equal opportunity church and so i said you you could move that you can move that stone so what why why jesus said well because you could do that you i could do that but actually this is the bit that you could do you can't do the next bit but you could do this bit you can move away. So God is looking for people who will partner with them. And I tell you, when those people moved away, those that stone, and people said, hey, he wasn't dead. They said, hey, excuse me. Uh, see, me, me and Fred and, 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 and Joanne, we, we, we moved the stone. Something, something bigger died in there. I tell you, when we moved that stone away, it stank. There was a definite stink of death in that it was a big stone. It hadn't been moved. No, 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 no. And their life was never going to be the same again. All they've done is manual work. They haven't got a degree in theology between them. They've, they've, they've not read the Bible because it's not written yet in the New Testament. They haven't got theology. All they've got is an experience of meeting Jesus, doing what he said that transformed their life. And I tell you, when you meet Jesus and you do what he says, it transforms your life and you're never the same again. And they, sort of, they move away and the partner in a miracle and they say, I was part of a miracle. Then Jesus stands and says, Lazarus, come forth. I'd love to get that video out and listen to it. Lazarus, come forth. I almost think sometimes that Jesus said, Laz I, I, only Lazarus. There's every dead person in the graveyards getting ready to come to. Only Lazarus. <coughs> Excuse me, the rest of you are going to have to wait until the resurrection. Only Lazarus, you can come forth. The rest of you have to wait a minute. Because otherwise they look like they're dead zombies. They've been every dead body. He said, only Lazarus, come forth. And, and, and Lazarus comes out all bound. He's all sort of in bandages like that, and sort of a, you have bandages over his face. And 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 and, and then, then Jesus says something else: loose him, loose him. Now, when Jesus was raised from the dead, um, all the bandages and all the stuff was nicely folded and laid on a shelf inside the grave. Surely an angel could have nipped in and said to Lazarus, Lazarus, and they met Jesus outside, he's going to raise you from the dead, so we're, we're going to get you ready, and uh, we're going to brush your hair and do everything, because he could have, they could have done that, except man could do that. And so Lazarus comes out, and, and I don't know how to put this gently, but if he didn't do it, this would be the shortest resurrection on, on, on record, because if he suffocated, people would have said, were you there when Lazarus raised from the dead? Yeah, well, shame he died again, wouldn't it, Ray? Shame, shame he suffocated because he needed help. And but but Jesus did the bit that only he could do because he wanted us to do the bit that we could do. And I've noticed some people when they become Christians and walk out the grave, they seem to have no grave clothes, they're just absolutely free. But most people need the ministry of the church just to sort of undo some of the hassles of life. And, and you may be a bit like that. You may think, I seem to have more problems than anyone I know. It's okay. There is help at hand. There are those who will help take the grave clothes off you because, because they don't belong on you anymore. When, when you become a Christian, you're given a new life, 
and all the grave clothes have no right. Nobody wears grave clothes when they're alive. They're taken off you. And, and maybe you need ministry or help from, from, the, from the church. But because we do what we can do so that he can do what only he can do. I'll give you another example of that quick because I'm aware of time too. And, uh, and one of the problems with uh, speaking on YouTube is you don't know if people are listening, if they've gone for a cup of tea, but I hope you're still with me. Because I was thinking of another one, uh, uh, a miracle that happened in the early life of Jesus. Remember the, uh, the water into wine uh, at a wedding? And, and, and that, that's an amazing thing that happened there because Jesus comes up at a wedding that's been going for a couple of days. And that's a wedding and a half, isn't it? But when you have a wedding, when your wedding lasts a couple of days, I know when we've had, uh, we got two daughters, and when you have to pay for weddings, I mean, my goodness, you can't believe how much it costs, how many friends you've got, and how many family you've got, and stuff. So it just costs a lot of money. But in those days, you could have the whole village coming, maybe a couple of hundred people. And after a couple of days, when you start running out of wine, it doesn't look good at all. Mary must have been related to these people somehow because she was invited, because and, um, and she's not from that village, so she's invited. And, and when she turns, when Jesus turns up, she's already there. And I guess if you're running out of food or running out of wine, and uh, one of your family turns up with sort of twelve disciples and apostles, that's probably not what you're hoping for, really. You're hoping for people to leave, and, and so uh, they're going to tell Mary we're running out of wine, and and so Mary goes to Jesus and just says, um. You're going to have to help him. And Jesus says, what's it to do with me? I mean, this, he hadn't even started his ministry yet. And think, well, it's almost like it's, it's, it's your problem. And it's interesting. Some people think that if you go to Mary and ask her, um, she'll go to Jesus now and ask, Jesus, can you help? And I don't, just, I don't know how to put this, but I'm not sure that works, really. I think once you're dead, you're dead. But even if you could, even if you could pray to Mary and you could, she could say something, um, this example here of them going to Mary and asking Mary what, what, what she would do. You don't know what she says. Mary's over there. I went and ask him yourself. And so I think if, if you could talk to him, I don't think you can, but if you could, I think she'd still say the same thing. Like, well, 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 don't ask me. There he is over there. Go and ask him yourself. So they go and ask him. And, and what he says is fill those jars with water. And there are jars that held 30 gallons each. So they're big. They're big 30 gallons. It's like a hundred or six of them. There's 180 gallons of wine. And I think I watch how old I've written down so that 38 gallons of wine is is, is like 5,760 glass folks of, of wines. It's a lot. It's a lot. But imagine you're the little girl, and maybe probably was a little girl, a little boy, whose job it was to fill up with water. You probably have the night off because you thought everyone's drinking wine. And they hear him say, fill that up with water. You think, do what? Do what? So fill up with water. I said, there's not a hose pipe. There's not a, there's not a tap in the kitchen. You have to take a bucket, go outside, drop it down the well, bring it up, fill it in, keep going. Keep, it takes forever. And I I don't know how many journeys that took, that little girl. Uh, I've no idea. It could take a lot. But I tell you what, she knew she did it. Went back and forth, back and forth. But... Surely it's just as easy for Jesus to say, look at those six empty pots, have a look in it now, it's full of water, it's full of wine. He could just have taken empty pots and filled them with wine, but he didn't. He said, you fill them with water. Why? Because you could do that. You can do that, and if you do what you're meant to do, I'll do what only I can do. And God's still saying to us today, I want you to do something. It might seem insignificant, but I want, the way he works, is he partners with this for a miracle. Why? Because 
he thinks our help is important to him. He does what only he can do, but we have to do what we can do. And they would say, we saw the miracle. I mean, not people say it was all made up. So, hey, listen, we were there. I went back, and nobody helps you. You know, it's like, you know, church, truth, you've got a job, you do it yourself. It's back and forth, back and forth. But no, no, no. She, <coughs> she did it himself. So partnering with a miracle starts sometimes with doing something very, very basic. Let me sort of give you this. I have, I have six grandchildren, so we often think we need an offering every time I go somewhere to pay for them. But And we miss them, don't we? I'm, I'm not loving lockdown. But but one of the things I noticed during the summer, sometimes we have them, uh, I've got twins. Um, two of my granddaughters are identical twins. I'm an identical twin, so I get the blame for that. But... We have a garden. I'm not a great gardener. I like a nice garden, therefore I do the gardens. That makes sense. Some people love gardening. I just like a nice garden, so I'll do the work to get the garden. So I'm out there and I have to, I have to water it and do it. It takes me about 30, 40 minutes to do the garden. However, sometimes the twins come and they help me. If the twins help me, it takes me well over an hour to do the garden. <laughs> it's just uh, 40 minutes, maybe 30 minutes on my home, but at least twice as long when I get a lot of help. And so, I, so often I'm out there helping. I say, no, don't, don't, don't dig that up. They're always trying to pull weeds out. And we haven't got any weeds. We've only got flowers and stuff. And so I do that and it's great. And they've, they've got their own little watering cans. They do all that sort of stuff. And then they'll, they'll go in and say to the granny, we've been helping granddad. Oh, that's good. Where's granddad? I think where granddad is. Granddad is out in, in the garden and he's putting away just for every tool that's ever in our shed. For some reason, they feel they have to bring absolutely everything out, every shovel, pick, fork, everything's out, all across the grass. It takes another half an hour to put everything away. And they're going, we've been helping granddad. <clears throat> I think, well... Sometimes being helped, and that's just a bit of a hindrance, it takes more time to be helped and do it ourselves. And I think, you know, sometimes because of that, why on earth would God use me? Why would he use you? Because it probably takes longer. It's probably more complicated to allow us. But I see the little look on their faces. I see how much they love to be used. I see how much they almost feel the joy We've been helping granddad. They actually think they're helping me. And, and they are. They are. And they help me, but not in the way they think they are. But, but God wants to partner with you, not just so he can get the job done. He can do that without us. He wants to get it done in a way which actually affirms us and affirms you as a personal worth. Because you're not just an statistic to God. You're a child who he loves more than you will ever know. And I think only an almighty God could use incompetent human beings like me to do things in incompetent, imperfect ways and still bring about his perfect will. Only God, only a perfect God, powerful God, can use incompetent human beings like me to do things in incompetent, imperfect ways and still bring about his perfect will. So there's a principle that God always worked in partnership with us. He wants us to, to, to partner with him so that we can work together and bring about the, the kingdom of God, the way which he's called us, he's called us to bring it. So he's given us a pattern. He's given a pattern of, of saying, this is the way you should do it. This is the way it should be. But then he's also put in scripture. Let me read another scripture from Ecclesiastes. And you probably know this one. It's even called the weddings. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9 says, two are better than one 
because they have a good reward for their labour. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he's no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Even though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So God has this plan and it's a pattern that we should work together but it's, it's not like you said right at the very beginning it's not good for man to be alone not just that you'll be lonely but actually you, you won't accomplish nearly as much on your own and you may feel i think covid's made people feel a lot more isolated they feel as if you're a little bit on your own i just want to say to you you're not you're not on your own god is still partnering with you but actually, he's put you in the body of Christ. If you're not a Christian yet, I want to tell you, this is one of the best news you'll ever have, because you'll never be alone again. And you'll always belong to something bigger and greater. And I think the biblical pictures of, of the church, and if I was to ask you, and I can't, if we're in church, I might ask you, give me pictures, your favourite picture of the church. And some of you might say the bride, and that's the one that doesn't fit my sermon, so let's skip over that quickly. But there's the bride is actually, but actually other things that the family that's the, the family of God. The Bible talks about the family of God. It talks about the body of Christ. It talks about being an, an army, the army of God, mighty, mighty in battle. That's the, the, the temple. We're all built together into a temple, into being. And all that talks to me of, of, of being a, a small part of something greater. And, and so almost the idea of being a Christian on your own without anybody else, it's difficult to get a concept of it. But actually our value comes is because we knit together and we're very, very strong. And so partnership is more than just something doing, it's something that we be. We are, we're beings, we're not, as somebody said, we're not human doings, we're human beings, but to, to be one. And our, my favourite picture of, of a church often is, is, is the family of God, that people of God who care for one another, they love one another. But then Paul talks about it's been a body, saying, you know, you might think you're an insignificant part, but are there any insignificant parts? And I remember when I was a, a youth, I, I broke my wrist here, I think, in a couple of places. And my goodness, I knew all about it. I, You know, I... I, I like the hospital and they put a cast on it. And, and you know, when you're, when you're 14, 15, everybody writes on it. And everybody knew about it. But actually, you've got 206 bones roughly in the body, in the human body. And there was 204 that were not broken. And I never made a fuss about it. I only made a fuss when something was wrong. And actually, sometimes you need to celebrate the good things that are going on in our life. And, and, and even at the moment, you know, when things are a bit rough, you f- we forget to count our blessings. I might be getting old, I am getting old, but but there's something, in the, in the old hymn we used to say, count your blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. Sometimes we have to go back and count what he's given to us. So we have that sort of, a, uh, that, that, that pattern given to us that we have to learn that, that, that we're part of our body. And God has said, I want you to partner with other people. I want you to realise you're not on your own. And actually, you're quite important because not only are you important um, to, to, to the cell next to you, the cells around you, if you take any out, if you just take one piece out, it will all fall down. If you take the kneecap away, the body falls over and there's nothing insignificant about you. We have to learn how to work together and, 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 to, and, to, and to be together. It says in uh, in scriptures in, in Luke ten, even when Jesus sent his disciples out, he didn't send them out in ones. 
In fact, Jesus hardly ever went anywhere on his own. His ministry began once he collected some disciples around himself. And then he sent them out in twos. And that's, that's like the smallest number you can get to have, you know, to, to, to be ones on your own and then two's the next one. They said, well, don't be a minimum here because there's only 12 of us. And later on, he sent out the 72, but they sent them out in twos. And it's interesting, Jesus didn't send them out on their own. But he sent them out with somebody else. And, and we need to find the people who will walk with us. We need to find the people who we get on with. Some, some of the disciples probably didn't get on that well. I haven't time to sort of pull that out much, but sometimes I talk about how I think Peter and John were very different. But I don't know how you'd have felt if you'd been uh, paired off with Judas Iscariot later on. You thought, oh, we did all meet together, me and Judas. And I, wonder, I wonder if Judas and Thomas were put together. Well, that would been an interesting combination. But actually, whatever it was, it's almost like it's more important you have somebody else's two. Two is better than one because they have a good reward for their labour. If one falls down, have you got anyone in your life who actually tells you the truth? Who you, who, who, who you know loves you enough and cares for you enough that the truth is the truth that sets you free? Because I have a little thing about truth. See, truth is not facts. Truth is factual. Truth is correct. But Facts on their own do not make truth. Because here's the truth. You, maybe me, maybe I am a miserable sinner. That's factual, but it's not the truth yet. Because Jesus says you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So if this fact doesn't set me free, it may be factual, but it's not got the fullness of God on it yet. So here's the list. I am a miserable sinner who Jesus Christ died for on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven, that I might be enter into a relationship of, of becoming a child of God who'll spend eternity in heaven. Now that's the truth that sets me free. And so there's lots of negative things you can say about you and about your other people, but it's not the whole truth yet. Now my mother, um, when she says something, it wasn't the, the Bible, but it was the next best thing. You know, I always used to think um, this is the things that God would put in if he thought about it. Because my mother had great, lots of little sayings. One of them is this, that half a truth is a whole lie. Half a truth is a whole lie. So if, if you hold back half the truth and you just say half of it and you, you let me go away thinking something else, I'm sorry, but you've actually lied to me because you've deceived me into believing something that's not true. That may, might be what you said was true factually, but it's not the truth there because truth sets you free. And so Jesus wants us to hear the truth. Have you got somebody like that in your life? Have you got someone who will actually tell you the truth that sets you free because that's someone who we all need to have in our lives because see and finally i finished just saying that none of us are intended to be lone ranger christians having a church family is the first step to finding out about being part of of, of a bigger thing and and walking in, in his favor let me hear what galatians 6 says galatians 6 says brethren if a man is overtaken by by any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourselves, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, see? Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something, then he's nothing, because he deceives himself. Now, Jesus is saying to us, we have to, Paul saying to us, we, we have to learn how to actually receive from one another. One minute he's saying, Bear one another's burdens. And Jesus said that to the Pharisees at one point. You're so good at telling people how bad they are, but you don't help them. 
And so Jesus didn't just say we're, we're, we're failures, because we all know that in the matters of truth. But what he does say to us, and he's saying to you now, maybe you've never done this, is you may have failed, but I have paid the price and I can lift you up now and we can deal with all those things. Jesus didn't just show you a problem, a real friend didn't just show you a problem, he shows you the way out. So let me just pray a blessing over you and say to you, at the point where we need to learn how to partner with God, partner with one another, take responsibility for ourselves, but realise there's one who can help us with those things which we cannot do ourselves. So Father, I pray that you would help us to accept the help that you give to us, to receive your love, that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for our sins, and that although life has many burdens, that Jesus, you lift the ones that we cannot carry, and then gives us you give us the strength to carry those that we can. So help us to take up your burden and to walk in your steps. In Jesus' name, amen.